Boom, people. Welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. So this is part two of our interview with Aaron Wagner. If you haven't listened to part one, go check that out right now. And part two is awesome. So Aaron in part one told us his story, how he got started. Part two is all about lessons learned along the way. Aaron in this episode dives into how he structures syndicate deals and lessons he's learned with other partners, bringing people together on those deals. Also, pretty cool thing with Aaron, he has agreed to be one of our mastermind coaches. So these two interviews are a small segment of a lot longer interview we had. And him with a half dozen other fund managers are going to be part of our mastermind group that's opening up in a couple weeks. So stay tuned. If you're on our email list, you'll get notified about it. But it's pretty exciting. Aaron's a fantastic guy. I want to bring him on as well because he did everything he's doing right now. He's done you know 500 million in transactions, 2 billion um, under management and enterprise value. He did it without a Harvard degree without crazy connections, without this pedigree, he did it from the ground up. And Aaron is a straightforward guy. I love him and I love this interview and I hope you guys enjoy. Peace. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is gonna give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. So now you're in a bunch of different asset classes. We mentioned hospitality, you're in food and beverage, you're in real estate, kind of grown. How have you done these deals? Now, for people listening to, you don't run a fund. No. But you do a lot of syndicate deals. Walk us through those types of deals. Yeah. What you do, and they're probably all different, right? Yeah. I tell a lot of people on the show, we've had previous episodes called Syndicate versus Fund, what to do. Yeah. Both are awesome paths to go. Yeah. Sometimes you can do lots of syndicate deals and then roll them into a fund. Absolutely. Just keep doing syndicates. You could start from a fund from day one, but you have a lot of background on syndicates. So tell us about your yeah. syndicate deals, probably things that you've learned, maybe expensive lessons yeah. you've learned um, along the way. So. Um, syndicating capital for me has, was just the easiest way to get started. Hmm. Um, obviously, you know, formal funds, some of them um, take some time, they take mm-hmm. good management, they take third party auditing, they take some uh, heavy legal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that you can't do them all without that, yep. but um, that was the general premise, at least when I got started. So for me, it was like, hey, I can start an LLC and I can literally just sell equity or membership mm-hmm. in that LLC as partnership to raise capital for a project. Yeah, It made it really, really simple. And for people listening, like a syndicate, you're just bringing capital together yeah. in an entity. It's really simple, yeah. simple operating agreement. Yeah, the fundamentals are, yeah. hey, guys, wanna do a deal together? Yeah. You guys each put 100 grand up, we're gonna buy this project or invest in this mm-hmm. business, and we all own pro rata mm-hmm. shares of that in equity. And then you can write an operating agreement that dictates pretty much the exact same parameters that you would find in a PPM or something mm-hmm. that says, hey, here's our authorizations, here's how I get paid, here's the here's the preference, here's mm-hmm. what, like you can you can work out all those details in an operating agreement. Yeah, yeah. It's just an easier way or simpler mm-hmm. way to do it. And um, and there, there's, there's some benefits and there's also some negatives toward that, mm-hmm. but for me it was just the, the way that I got doing things. When I it's faster it was, to get set up yeah, and going. It's faster yeah. to get oh, set yeah. up. Yeah. However, um, in terms of scale, hmm. it's really not the ideal vehicle to scale large, large sums mm-hmm. of money. This is this is a really good vehicle. It's a really good fit for people that want to just start out doing deals and earn a reputation or a track record mm-hmm. with investors. And so for me, that was the way that I wanted to start it, and that's the way that we've kind of been rolling it. Mm-hmm. And, and you made a great point. It's not like you're pigeonholing yourself 
absolutely you can create syndicates and and do multiple projects mm-hmm. and then roll them up into a fund. You can you can start mm-hmm. a fund and you can have your fund buy all of those yep. syndicates or those those LLCs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have done that here mm-hmm. in the valley as well. Yeah, and yep. so um, for me, that's just that was the easiest way to get started. Yeah, I love it. So these syndicate deals, mm-hmm. right, with partners, what are some some lessons that you've learned? And how do you usually structure it? Do you retain, because you're, are you the one putting it together? Yeah. So do you retain, say, hey, I'm going to retain maybe 12% or 15% equity for myself. The rest, you know, is put up to investors that put just money in. How do you protect that, yourself from them doing an aggressive takeover? That's, that's, yeah. more, that's more of the fund model where yeah. like with a GPLP where you're going to take a minority share, mm-hmm. you're going to take typically a management fee and then you're going to take a minority carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in syndicates, especially for mine, and I will say the majority of people when they, when they see my offerings or promotes, they'll think that, it, especially if they come from the fund world, mm-hmm. they'll, um, they'll think it seems rich to me because mm. I'm always the majority shareholder in every single Oh, you keep, you always. maintain always. Okay. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Always. I'm the majority. Mm. And so people are like, man, if I'm putting up, if we're putting up the majority of the capital, which typically in a fund, like an eight, a two and 20 model yeah. or something like that, they're getting 80% of the deal. Yep. In mine, they might get 20% of the deal. They yeah. might get 30, they might get 40, mm-hmm. but they're never getting more than 50. Yeah. And so, um, I think that answers your question. Yeah, how, yeah. how do I insulate myself from a takeover? How do I insulate yeah. control the deal? I am the controlling interest mm-hmm. always in my yep. deals. The difference is in why I'm able to do that versus a fund model is because I'm not taking a bunch of fees off the top. And mm-hmm. so what people don't understand when they go into a fund model is that the fees do add up. Mm-hmm. They're necessary to run at scale funds like for the, mm-hmm. the fund manager, they have to, because you have overhead and expenses and you gotta live and whatever. And, and the life of a lot of these funds is seven, eight, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have those fees. Yep. For me, because I have other sources of income and different deals going on, I don't need those, those fees up front. And so um, I've always pitched it as a little bit better alignment for investment, mm-hmm. investors simply because, hey, I'm not getting paid till you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I can take a heavier portion of the equity because I'm earning it after you get your money back. Mm-hmm. And so people really like that alignment, um, but it creates a lot of challenges for me mm-hmm. too from a cash flow perspective because I don't have that management fee coming in, yep. right? So like I said, there's pros and cons, but for me, I've always I've always taken the majority uh, interest. And the difference I also feel is that um, there's, there's two types of investors and we'll go into a little bit of like investor profiling because mm-hmm. I think that's really important when you're raising capital and mm-hmm. I'll speak to you a little bit about that. But one of the things when I talk about investor profiling, I look at uh, two types of investors. I call them either value-based investors mm-hmm. or structure-based investors. Okay. And people that were born as structure-based investors, they're always looking for a rich structure to them. So mm-hmm. they love two and 20 models or mm-hmm. 80, 20 models or 90, 10 models. Like, hey man, we're the money, we're getting most of the deal. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, but how good's the deal? Mm-hmm. How much value's in the deal? What's your bottom line when it's all said and done? Mm-hmm. You might get 90% of the deal, but if you end up at an 8% blended IRR over seven years, was that a home run or mm-hmm. was it just a solid deal? Mm-hmm. Versus a value-based investor that says, okay, this guy brought me a freaking home run deal. Like it's a small, this guy's been in the trenches, he's kicked ass, he's a really good operator. Mm-hmm. I'm only getting like 10, 20, 30% equity in this thing. But at the end of the deal, the pro forma says, I'm gonna make 20 or 30%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a value-based investor because ultimately the bottom line is all that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the investment world, if we could take down 
kind of the, if we could deprogram people, what really matters to be a great investor is just your ROI. Yeah. And so when I pitch deals to people, I say, hey, look, don't be a structure-based investor. Come in, just wipe the whiteboard clean. Mm -hmm. Look at this deal. It's super freaking juicy. And I'm going to give you a wicked return. Contrast this with your, the bottom line with everything else that you're doing right now as a yeah. passive investment. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, it's really good. Okay, so it doesn't mm -hmm. matter how much you get or how much I get. Mm -hmm. Because the number one rule in all of investing, in all of business, I think, for me, mm -hmm. is never count other people's money. Hmm. Ever. I learned this early. I was doing deals where... When you start out in real estate as, an, as a real estate investor, yeah. the lowest hanging fruit is wholesaling. Mm -hmm. You've yep. wholesaling, yep. right? So you'll tie up a deal and then you'll resell the deal or you resell the contract. Yep. So I would be wholesaling these properties to people and they'd be like, dude, that's a sweetheart deal. Done. Sign the contract. Yeah. And then we get to the closing table at settlement, right? <laughs> yep. And they realize that I just made $30,000 in between as a daisy chain wholesaler. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, man. You're making 30 G's on this for what? What mm -hmm. did you do? Oh, I don't know. I just created a value that you're gonna rip 50 grand yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know if I'm good with that. What do you mean? You're tickled pink. You're doing cartwheels when I brought you this deal. You're, yeah. You're so excited about the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Are, what's the problem mm -hmm. now? They started counting my money. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it changed the value of the deal. Mm -hmm. We have to. We have to learn from that. I learned from mm -hmm. that. Not, yeah. a, not a lesson for other people. A lesson for myself. Mm -hmm. That I said, when I underwrite a deal. I'm underwriting it on value to me. Is it a good deal for me? Great. I don't care what anybody else makes. Because the fact is, you could have a zero basis. If you inherited some property from your grandma, mm -hmm. it was zero basis to you, and you're going to sell it to me for a million bucks, what's the matter what you paid for it? It's worth mm -hmm. a million bucks. Yeah, it's still, and it could be a great deal to you. Yeah, Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. It might be amazing, right? Yeah. So don't ever count other people's money. And when you don't do that, you'll be better at being a value-based investor. Mm -hmm. And so when I profile investors, I automatically get that mindset try to look shift. to say, who is this guy? Who is his natural default? If they're not a value-based investor, and that becomes mm -hmm. really evident just in quick conversation and questions, mm -hmm. talking about the stuff that they've done and what kind of deals they're in and how they've underwritten those. Mm -hmm. As soon as I identify that they might be by default, maybe not even by their fault, just by who they've worked with and what kind of deals they've yeah. done, that they're maybe a structure-based investor, I have to break down those walls and I have to reprogram mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah. Because, and I don't feel like I'm being manipulative, that truly is what good investors should focus on, mm -hmm. is the bottom line. And so I'm just trying to educate. And so- It sounds like what you did with your pro football teammates. Absolutely. Same, same, conversation. same conversation. What's your other alternate to, investments? To more sophisticated people. <laughs> yeah, just a little more sophisticated, I love that. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, How can people pleasure. connect with you and learn more about you if, you know, yeah, follow you where, follow, yeah. Just follow me on Instagram, Aaron Wags, A-A-R-O-N-W-A-G-S. Yeah. That's it. Aaron's got amazing content on YouTube, Instagram. You have a lot on there. Um, talking to all sorts of stuff, business, motivation, yeah. life. I mean, you got, you've won in a lot of areas of your life and I love that you're sharing with people. So anyways, thanks for coming on thanks, today. Thanks, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, guys, wasn't that awesome? Hey, if you want to learn more about funds, how to get going, how to get started, we did something cool. I put together what I call a mini vault, and we've recorded a ton of training videos and resources to help you launch a fund. In addition to that, I gave you my favorite pitch deck that I used for a fund previously. I also give you a step-by-step -step guide of how to go through and launch your fund. Additionally, you once you get into our mini vault group, you are put into our private Facebook group, and guess what? I go live in there once a week to answer your 
questions specifically about the fund and you get to interact with other fund managers from around the country and around the world. So if you're interested, go to www.investmentfundsecrets.com. You can hop in and join the group, join the private members group, get the resources, download the PDFs, and I would love to see you in there. Love you guys. Peace.